the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing in more. Thanks for listening. You can always find me online at robblackshow.com. I'm typically pretty remiss to talk about kids and money. Hey, I don't want to teach you how to be a parent. That's kind of up to you. I would say you can start planting the seeds of how to handle money when kids are in preschool and kindergarten. But realistically, you got to let your toddler be a toddler on a lot of levels because they're not going to understand price to earnings ratios, return on investment, return on equity, cash flow, valuations. So there's a book called The Little Red Hen. It's about a hen who invested the time and effort to turn wheat into bread. Do I really think that's going to help your kid become a better investor or understand money? Probably not. But The Little Red Hen was no pushover. She refused to share her bread with the slackers, who people didn't help. I like that idea. Lazy hens get no bread. No bread for you. Um... So you see it every now and then, right? Little Red Hen was thinking long-term, but she was also kind of greedy once she did the work. She ain't sharing, unless you, you know, you, you chip in. So that's a great way to teach your kid communism. Um, you know, I, I think at some point in time, you start showing your kids credit cards when you're at like a restaurant, you know, uh, or you say, you know, dad should be paying with cash, but he's using credit card. But because credit card is kind of a hard concept to wrap it around. Kids want to know how much money you make and you go, well, we do okay. I make boatloads of money is probably the wrong answer. You can buy anything you want. You never have to work ever again. But, uh, you know, another way, stupid way of doing it is, you know how that little red hen turned wheat into bread? Maybe you plant your own tomatoes and you say, hey, look how much a tomato is at, at uh, the store. And again, tomatoes, sometimes it costs more to make your own tomatoes than it does to buy them. Sometimes. You got animals who eat them. Oh, my dog, 0111011, brought me a smushed rat yesterday. So basically, it's been dead long enough that it's kind of lost its bone structure. And I'm thinking, probably not in the yard. So you know what I get to do this weekend? Go through the garage and figure out where that rat came from. Because that's the only thing that makes sense, right? In the yard. Yeah, no. He didn't just like fly like a flying squirrel from a tree and land in my yard because it was dead and smushed, right? And you look at it, I'll tell you what, rats don't age well when they die. I hope I don't look like that. I'm going to get cremated and all, but not good. So back to kids. We have an orange tree. You should have a lemon tree. You should have a lime tree. You should have fruit in the state of California because we have sunshine a right amount enough time to grow your own fruit. Avocados. Have you seen the price of a ca- Avocado. I saw one the other day at Trader Joe's. It was a million dollars. I'm like, I'm buying an avocado tree. It's actually one of the best pieces of investment advice I ever got from someone. The two weirdest ones were buy a fruit tree. It'll give you tr- uh, fruit for life. $5 will turn into $2,000 of apples, $2,000 of oranges. So and we have, the, I mean, again, I, I like your poinsettia or your, your gubendvia. Like, I, I don't know plants well, but you get the idea. So one of the things I've done with my, my kids is 
we own stock of companies that they know, like Disney. You may go, how about McDonald's? Yeah. And you go to McDonald's and, or Apple. You know, he's got an Apple iPad. Why not go to the store and say, we own this company. You're all fired in here. And they're like, how much do you own? And you're like, 10 shares. Well, you can't fire us. But when you become an owner, that small piece of paper, the stock certificate, which you never see anymore, you have, when you buy a stock, you actually become an owner. And that's a good concept to kind of start thinking about at some point in time. Um, you want to teach your kids things like don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, that's why I like the S&P 500 for most people as a start. But that basket is just large cap growth companies, really, is how it, lo- how it plays out. So you need some small cap companies, you need some tech companies, you need some international companies. So if you go to a restaurant and you, know, and you say, all they have is hamburgers, your kid's going to be like, well, I want a chicken burger or I want um, pasta or I want something else. No, all they got is one thing. Your kid will kind of get the idea that that's kind of boring. It's kind of a bad idea. Same concept with investments. So I know you're saying there are restaurants that people go to that just make burgers. Like five uh, five guys. Okay, you have me there. So um, diversification is awesome. Um, I do a donut like once a month. Mm, it's delicious. Uh, I don't do eggs and bacon every day. I don't do a bowl of my favorite cereals total. And as you age, you're kind of like, it's kind of funny. Um, breakfast cereal used to be kind of like a, a cheap meal. But now a box of cereal is like five fifty. Five fifty. It ain't cheap. And then you like when you're a kid, you're like total. It's got look at all these vitamins in it. And you're like you're all thrilled about it. And then you're like, oh, there's a lot of carbs too, right? Um, my sugar booger likes to buy lottery tickets. She likes to spend money in stupid ways. And I like to say you're spending money in a stupid way because let's see, five dollars in Apple versus five dollars in lottery tickets. Which would I rather have? dollars in shares of apple so some kids really get into the whole lottery thing they get jacked they get pumped they get amped it's like watching a kid if you don't believe in a sugar rush <laughs> they say sugar rush, rushes don't exist but give your kid a donut when he's like three and uh he'll start doing like you know a marathon by the end of the donut so the odds of winning lottery one in 250 million the odds of winning the stock market it hits all-time highs seven out of ten years so i i, I don't really want you to talk about financial statements until the kids maybe 16 to 18. Um, I don't really, you know, when the market's down, I don't come home and go, kids, we got to sell your iPads. In fact, we're going to start selling blood because the market's down. Dad, we're going to sell blood. Yes. I don't do that. Maybe it's going through my head, which in college, you can make some good money selling some, um, how shall we say fluids that come out of your body. That's not blood. Just saying. I think you can talk about budgeting. Like you get two video games a year. Or if you're playing Fortnite, you get two skins per year. Um, Or you could say, hey, you read 10 books, you get a skin. I don't know. That's when I start getting into parenting issues that I have problems with where I'm like suddenly telling you stuff, right? Uh, My family's financially set for the rest of our life. My sister's family, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, like a little lord. So... Don't be afraid to talk to your kids about money. Find ways to do it in an interesting way. Don't freak them out. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, trying to get you richer. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? 
Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Probably not the best example to use Beyonce to talk about women, but women in investing is kind of a topic. Like kids in investing is kind of a topic. Women investors, you got to do it. Divorce happens. Sometimes women are put on their own. They tend to live five years longer than men. Men tend to like to marry younger women. Now, that could be a societal cliche, and that could be something where I'm like, I'm sounding like you're an old man talking about, you know, I I don't know. Five years longer means five years longer of living expenses, too. So women need more money. Women comprise more than half the U.S. population. Oddly enough, no two women are the same when it comes to managing their money. I think no two women are the same on the planet, right? Women were statistically more likely to rate themselves as less experienced investors than men. That's a self-confidence issue. They're more likely to say they have high levels of stress when it comes to figuring out finances. Women investors are more likely to work with an investment professional who sometimes can rip them off and take advantage of their lack of knowledge. And The best thing I like is they're likely to stick to a plan. I think women, for better or for worse in our society, have been taught um, to be shoppers. The cliche of women like to go shopping, it's it's out there. Uh, Men, 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 men. We like to hunt, right? Women typically run the family finances on some levels. Women should take advantage of that strength. And they need to kind of overcome some of their, their shortcomings. If you take a look at some of the statistics out there, women consider themselves more conservative than men. 38% of females consider themselves conservative investors, just 27% of men. Men at 16% will say, I'm aggressive. And just 4% on women. Of all the millionaires on the pl- in the United States, only 45% are women. And yet, again, half, more than half the population in the U.S. are men, are women. 42% of women are the family's primary breadwinner. 42%. They're bringing home the dough. Do you remember that, that commercial in the 70s? I could bring home the bacon. It's a woman. So try to think of my voice as a, as a woman. Fry it up in a pan. I can make a man. I can make you feel like you'll never forget your man because I'm a woman. And I think it was Anjali, like a perfume or something. Wow. Gosh, I got that. An eight-hour perfume for a 24-hour woman. What happens to the other 16 hours? So she can bring home the bacon now. How you feel about that, men? Women control $14 trillion of U.S. personal wealth. Nine out of 10 women make up 90% of women. <laughs> no, nine out of 10 women eventually will take charge of the family's wealth because the dad uh, dies. Women only make 82 cents on the dollar versus men. So not only do you live longer and need more money, not only do you tend to get taken advantage of a little bit more by financial professionals selling insurance products, but you make less money. And then sometimes... You make a baby. We're going to have a baby. I got a baby in me. And you take time off from work to love that baby. And then you lose your identity and you're like, I got to go back to work. And suddenly you're the little man on the totem pole. Again, when, when asked to rate their own investor experience, far fewer women say they have a higher level of experience than men. Yet according to data from the World Health Organization, women tend to live longer, obviously, as we know. So you can't have a perceived lack of experience because a perceived lack of experience equals consequences. More women are fearful of market downturn than men. And you know what I like? A downturn. When I can buy, there's an episode of The Simpsons where Marge comes home and she goes, Homer, look, I got these $4,000 shoes on sale for $3,200. And 
the joke is all guys are like, wow, you spent $3,200 on shoes? Wow. Um, so you got to have confidence. You got to. And to have confidence, you need to educate yourself just a bit. There's websites that are geared completely towards women. And I'm not against it. Uh, finding people that look like you in life is important. That's why I like all these like uh, the, the big Asian American movies. Crazy rich Asians, crazy mad rich. I like all these movies that are come out because like suddenly little Asian American kids are able to look up and say, "Wow, I could be a movie star. Wow, I could have lots of money. Wow, I could be a sports star." I love seeing diversity in film because uh, there's not a lot of it. So there's a website. Um, if you just Google women and investing. You'll find plenty of good ones. Um, Elvest, I think, is probably the, the most centric for women. Women report less confidence in their investment knowledge. That makes them more cautious. It also makes them more sometimes prey for a salesperson. Women with a longer time horizon should consider incorporating growth and being ready for down markets. Down markets are good. Until you're 77 years old, down market's great. As long as you have enough money budgeted that you can go through two or three years of a down market, you're fine. Women tend to live to about 79 years old right now. Market tends to hit high seven out of 10 years. That's why they say I have three years of expenses in retirement. So patience, persistence, discipline. You got to gain some knowledge here. That's my opinion. There was a woman uh, who she ran a company called Women & Co., which was all about investing. She worked for the Clinton administration and she learned because Hillary, she was like working with Hillary and then everyone started suing each other because there were some problems in Washington. So not only did she get out of college with debt, then she goes to DC and she gets debt of lawyers. Really important to educate yourself. You're going to live longer than most men. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. You know, it's kind of funny. I was talking about women investing and just carrying that thought on a little bit more. You ask an average male, what do you want your investment return to be? They'll say 7.7%. On average, I'll take 7.7%. Markets return 8 to 10%, right? Historically, 8% plus dividends rounded up to about 10%. But listen to this. When asked women what they expect their returns to be, they say 6.9%. So they're lower than the men, and yet studies have indicated that women outperform men on a risk-adjusted basis. Risk-adjusted is kind of a funny concept to get into. You know who the best overall investors are who are non-professionals? Is it married household where you have... A single female, a married female, a single male, or a married male. It's the single female. They make the best investors. 74% of women believe that the stock market is a good place to grow their retirement savings. Well, 80% of men believe so. Why are men so aggressive? Which, again, it is. But with that being said, you have to figure out your time horizon quite correctly. You know, if you're doing a down payment on a house, you tend to save that kind of money in cash or cash alternatives. If you're tending to save for retirement, you tend to go after stocks, bonds, REITs, commodities, and other income generating producing vehicles. Cash is the worst investment anyone can have. It kills me when I see people with $200,000 in cash. It kills me. It makes me want to drink water. The worst investment you can have cash, you always want to have enough cash or cash-like investments to cover an emergency to feel comfortable. Sometimes when you buy a house, you're like, I can afford 
3000 a month and then you're like, oh, but I have to have plates and dishes and furniture and cable and stuff like that, right? Cash is a bad investment over time, but you always want to have enough so that, you know, nobody can push you and determine your future for you, whether it be the stock market, whether it be your car breaking down, whether it be a roof needing fixed. So um, here's the easiest way I can say this on what you need to do to be to have a financial to pass a money one-on-one course, you need to educate yourself. There's so many good tools, Wall Street Journal. You can go read a book, um, The Idiot's Guide to Investing. I don't care. There's some good ones out there. You want to maybe take a class on money. Community College at Coco, always a good idea, except for here's the sad part. Let me warn you on this one. A lot of financial people are losers, and they don't know how to go out and get clients. They don't go, I'm going to be a great investor and come up with this tech stock idea. So I'm going to be a great investor and show people my returns. I'm going to be a, a, a lot of people will go after their churches for clients. They will go after community college. They'll teach community college on how to save for retirement. And they happen to be a stockbroker or they happen to be an insurance salesperson. And at the end of the class, they're like, Hey, you want to do business with me? I can do it for you. They won't even say it that bluntly. They'll make you feel like you're an idiot and want to do business with them. So a class is good, but be careful. You need to know what retirement benefits are to pass my money one-on-one class. So we have a new employee. Go walk to HR and find out. Uh, and maybe HR doesn't even know, but there's somewhere in the manual about your 401k, your 403b. Then after you get that going, you need to say, okay, maybe I should also look into some non-work products like IRAs, individual retirement accounts. You need to know the difference between savings and investing. A lot of people don't. I've got an account um, that basically is going to be used for fun money. I've got an account for retirement. I know you're saying fun money. Yeah, like maybe one day you, with the kids, you'll be like, well, when you're getting married, I'm going to give you $50,000 so you could travel around the world with your bride. Um, or maybe you'll say, I'm going to give them $50,000 to buy, help put down on their first house. That's fun money to me. I know you're saying that's not very fun. I thought you were going to get a Maserati. My Maserati does 185. Joe Walsh. I lost my license. No, I don't drive. So I don't have a lot of fun in my life. People will accuse me at times of not having a good life. Because, like, I've got enough money, and yet I wear tennis shoes with holes in them. I wear the same outfit every day. Jeans, t-shirt, and typically a hoodie. There you go, little Joe Walsh. He has done so many drugs to hear him talk now. <laughs> but I remember listening to this song as a kid on the radio. I was probably 10th grade when it came out. I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it was even before then I just started hearing. Because you know what, rock and roll, they kind of play it for like 10 years. But this song will teach you a lot about money. It's called Life's Been Good to Me. And uh, it has Maserati and it's got, you know, partying. It's got drugs in it, which is part of life, right? You want to go through that phase or maybe you don't. I don't know how much of this we could play before we actually have to pay a royalty. So be careful. We could always go out to break with this tale. Um, we didn't get to any of the words, but we'll get to the words later. Um, so once you've got all this down, you know, the difference between savings and investing, and you could say one accounts for retirement. And there's that, you know, Ray Lucia, who's no longer on radio anymore, got into legal issues with the SEC on things you could say and not say, but he called it buckets of money. And it's not a bad idea um, where you have one bucket for saving your on your retirement, one bucket for saving for a house, one bucket for fun money. And you, you kind of got to pay, you got to feed them all. Feed the beast. Oh, I'm a beast. Uh, Thank you.
You want to establish an investment plan. If you can't write it down, it ain't a plan. If you can't explain it to me, it's not a plan. You don't go, yeah, I got a 401k. Not good enough. How much do you have in it? What's your time horizon? How much are you putting in it? What, t- what type of investments do you have? I fell in love with a girl in second grade, I think. No, she fell in love with me. I kind of I had a crush on her. It was more of a crush thing. Her name was Tracy O'Neill. And there was a girl named Elizabeth on my soccer team because boys and girls played soccer together. And Elizabeth goes, I love you, Rob Black! And she looked like a crow and she sounded like a crow. She was probably a crow. I didn't want Elizabeth's attention. I wanted Tracy's attention. So at one point in time, I carve into a tree, RB plus TO. And then I didn't know is when you put someone whose last name is O'Neill, do you do the O? Is that their last initial or is it the N? And I was like, oh no, I might have messed this up. But I carved it into a tree. And at least I took a chance to write it down. It didn't just stay in my head for the next 60 years. Well, next 40 years. I just aged myself way more than I am. But at least I got to say it. Same thing with investing. If you can't write it, you can't, it's, it's not real. It's just in your head. And we tend to lie to ourselves. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the gym and uh, work out this year. How about you tell your spouse, let's each lose 15 pounds and you write it down. Let's do a pound a month kind of thing. I know you're saying 15 pound a month. I get three extra months because I work so hard. Um, so once you write it down, you have to revisit it. You know a great way to learn to, if you're a good trader or not? Before you go out and invest in your first stock, and let's say you're going to invest $10,000, tell your spouse, I'm going to invest $10,000 in Tesla, or I'm going to invest $10,000 in Apple. And then what you do is you write down how much you're going to invest in what company and what the date is. And I'm going to come back to you after that 10000 has become 20000 or 10000 has become 15000 or 10000 has become twelve. That's a good number, 20% return. I'll take it. Bank's not going to give it to me. So see if you really are a good investor by writing it down and giving it to your spouse. I'm going to ask you back for that paper when I'm ready to sell. See, if you can't paper, that's paper trading. But some people say paper trading is a little bit different. But I like the idea of writing it down to make it more true. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, Driverless cars. Here's a good kind of concept that we should hit briefly. I was reading the New York Times, and there was a new article on it. And uh, driverless cars may be coming, but let's not get carried away. I remember Elon Musk saying we'd have a fully autonomous driving car by 2017. And then he changed it to 2018. Now he's changed it to 2020. Uh, it's easy to buy the story. See how this ties into writing it down makes it true? Sometime next year, Elon Musk says, you'll be able to have the car be autonomous without supervision. I heard recently there was a story about the cops basically followed someone who fell asleep. And on a Tesla, if you basically put like a tie, your, your necktie on the wheel, it thinks your hands are on the wheel. So this guy basically fell asleep <laughs> knocked out and just put a tie on and let it drive them and uh that's not appropriate behavior the advanced driver assistance systems think of them as co-pilots um i have a pretty good one right now that it follows cars at the same exact distance and it's kind of nice the way it does it so if you want it to be really tight it'll be like 10 feet away if you want it to be further it's like more like 20 yards you kind of get the idea. It does a nice job of braking and accelerating. You can't even tell. But I ain't letting it drive myself. Uh, I'm still paying attention, you know? Little Joe Walsh. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So I grew up overseas, and because of that, it was never in a location that spoke English. It was always things like Japanese, German, and Turkish, Greek, and... 
as a kid, you don't learn languages that fast. I mean, you can pick up some words, right? Some friends and family from the coast, which is what we refer to uh, people back in the United States, back on the coast, coastal side, would send cassette tapes. And this was one of the songs that, uh, a mixtape that would come through. And it's kind of funny because what they would do is they would tape uh, America's Top 40 and it was a countdown show. So uh, this is a song from my childhood that I loved. So I basically made my mom go out and get Benny and the Jets and Crocodile Rock and some of the albums that Elton John did. And just to show you how innocent times were then, I just thought he was a flashy dancer. I thought he wore cool clothes. I didn't know. I'm not going to tell you anything else. It's a 1970 song. tells the story of an astronaut who's filled to the brim with mixed emotions about leaving his family and friends behind to embark on a mission to space. The lyrics were heavily inspired by a 1950s short story by Ray Bradbury called The Rocket Man. His story was about an astronaut who's torn between going to space and being with his family. Do you see the parallels? The astronaut in the short story tried to quit his job, his beloved job, to spend his time with his wife and his dog. Oh, no, his kid. He had a kid named Doug, not a dog named Kid. Sometimes I get a little dyslexic on myself. But isn't it cool that we used to read short stories and turn them into songs and be inspired? I don't get the feeling people do that anymore. Now, during the times this came out, there was a big controversy. Did Elton John rip this off from David Bowie? Because David Bowie had space oddity. I know you're saying, you were a pretty messed up kid. Thank you very much. So, one of the areas, changing back to money, money do re me. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, one of the things I hate to see is people work till age 50, 55, 60. They leave a job. <coughs> I think I got the black lung. Um, they work that long and they have a big chunk of change. A quote unquote nest egg. Um, what I don't want to see is an insurance person come up to you and say, well, they Dougie. It's good to see you, Dougie. I happen to be an insurance salesperson, and I see that you have $400,000 cash. <coughs> I can turn that into an annuity for a lifetime. You'll get money until you die. Stay away from those people. There's a guy who buys a ton of radio spots on the sports station in the Bay Area. I'm not going... He's not, my, he's not a fan of mine because he sells crap product, for lack of a better word, crap and the markups are like typically like 9%. So you do the math. Is he going to make that product sound really, really good? Are you going to be able to make money having taken a 9% pie in the face? No. So some people, they leave work and they've got this big nest egg and they don't know what to do with it. You tend to roll it over. You tend to hire a CFP to help you with advice if you can't do it yourself. I see a lot of people make mistakes when they quit working. They instantly jump into Social Security when you should analyze whether you should jump into Social Security. If you haven't saved enough and you're in pretty good health, you should probably delay Social Security. If you've saved enough, go ahead and take it. It's not free money. It's, it's, it's money that, you, that the government took from you and, in theory, invested for you, but we all know that's not true. Um, so let's say I'm 60 and I quit my job. And I've got $200,000 saved. That's not enough. If I'm going to live 20 years, I could live off $10,000 a year? No, 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 no. So I'm going to delay Social Security as long as I can. So the law, thank you. If you take it at 62, you actually get punished it a little bit. If you take it at 65, you get what you consider the, the, the norm. You wait till 70, every year you wait, you get more money, 8% returns. It's not bad. So, but again, if you've already had a stroke and you've had cancer and you're 60, 
you might want to take that money. I get it. But then again, hope you don't beat the odds. Because there's nothing worse than having survived a stroke, survived cancer, and then running out of money. So right now, there's a big push by our Congress to potentially change your 401k into a pension. Now, that's I'm glad they're talking about it, but there's risks to it. Unless additional investor protections are added to the bill, retirement savers could be exposed to costly and opaque insurance products, plus concerns about insurance companies' financial health. So, you know, a lot of companies used to give long-term, they used to sell long-term health care insurance, and they found out that they were going bankrupt because people were living a long time and using that, that insurance. So be very, very cautious with this idea. But I do like countries that make their citizens automatically save in retire- for retirement. I wish we would do that as a nation. Say you get a tax break automatically, maybe a tax credit for every $500 you save, we'll give you $500 off your income tax. I, something like that to get people motivated to save, I think would be a great thing through their 401k or 403b sponsored plans. I know you're saying, how are we going to pay for that? Why are the rich getting richer? I get it. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, and YouTube Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.